you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms chapter 147. Psalms 147. We've been studying in our studies at home, in the lesson sheets that I've been sending out, the subject of prayer. And I think prayer is a very important subject, and I think that we need to understand that, as I said this morning, that this world's in bad shape, and there's only certain things that's going to help help it. One of those things we talked about this morning, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that we need to have that in our hearts and in our minds, and we need to be able to take that gospel out into the world. But I also believe that prayer is something that is also very important. And that's one of the things that can help our nation, help our leaders, help our congregation, help our minister, and help each one of us to remember each other in prayer. Prayer is something that is very important. When I started off preparing my sermons for today, this was originally going to be the sermon for Sunday morning, but as you can tell, if you were here this morning, that changed. And if you're here tonight, I guess I'm telling you that it's changed. It's kind of sad sometimes when you hear that people have lost their faith in prayer. Because I've heard politicians that used to say when problems existed that our thoughts and prayers are with you. And I've heard some that have said, I no longer say in prayers. My thoughts are with you because our prayers don't work. And my thought on that is sometimes we, I wonder, you know, a lot of times we say, I'll remember you in my prayers. But do we really remember each other in our prayers? Are we sincere when we say those words? And we should be. And as, as I mentioned last Sunday, or last, uh, what took place last Sunday, where someone prayed, Amen and a women, that's no way to show respect in prayer. We're talking to God, the Creator of this universe. And so I want to talk about prayer tonight. And I want us to understand that in that prayer we need to be thankful, and that's what we're going to talk about in our lesson. The story is told of an old man who was a farmer who went out to eat. He sat down at the table, and as he was sitting down at the table, the waitress took his order and it was time that she brought the order and she brought it and set it down on the table and he adjusted it and got everything just right. And then he put his hands together and he bowed his head and he began to say thanks for the food. There were two young men in a booth that was close by and they started to make fun of him for praying. And when he ended his prayer, they said, Hey, old man, does everybody pray over their meals out on the farm? And the old man thought about it for a second. He smiled back and replied, Well, no, the pigs don't. And really, there's a lesson right there in and of itself. I've been around pigs and they don't seem very thankful for anything. They just give it to me. And that's really the attitude that a lot of people have. And when we look around... There are people who are thankful for all that they have, while there are other people who aren't thankful at all. And one thing that I think that we learn from the Bible is that God's people, especially God's people, should be thankful. 
And in Psalms chapter 147, I believe that that is a psalm of praise, a song of prayer, but also a, a psalm of thanksgiving. There are many examples in the Bible of God's people lifting up their hearts and pray, in praising God and giving Him thanks. And you and I are constantly reminded in the Scripture that we are to be a thankful people. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 through 18, Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thankfulness should be a major part of our prayer. And so if it's true that God's people should always be a thankful people, then why does the Bible seem to constantly remind us that we should be thankful? And I think the answer is this, because being thankful doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. Years ago, Will Rogers observed, he said, in the days of our founders, they were willing to give thanks for a mighty little, for mighty little was what they expected. But now neither government nor nature can give enough. But what we think is too little those old boys in the fall of the year, if they could gather a few pumpkins, potatoes, and some corn for the winter, they were in a thankful mood. If we can't gather in a new Buick, a new radio, and a tuxedo, and some government relief, well, we feel that the world is against us. And how true the, that's, that statement is. And many people aren't thankful for what they have. All they can see is what they don't have. And all they want is more and more, and they never look at the hand that gives them what they have and blesses them with all the material things and even the abilities to earn those things. As Christians, shouldn't we naturally be thankful? But yet Christians can also fall victim to murmuring and complaining just like everyone else. How many times have we griped and complained about what we don't have or what's happened to us that hasn't happened to our neighbor? When we look at them and see how well off they are and we look at ourselves, are we thankful? Think about that. What would cause us to take so much for granted that we have been blessed with? The answer is because we don't or we fail to take the advice of the scripture. And because we don't listen to the scripture, we become ungrateful. We don't stop to think about what God has done for us. We don't stop to thank God for everything that we have. If I was to ask you tonight, what are you thankful for? I would imagine that a lot of lists would top off with family, jobs, personal property, material things, 
But you know what? All of those things can be taken away from us. Some of the things that God has given us as Christians, no one can take away. No one can take them away. And really, those should be the things that, at the top, that are at the top of our list. Think about what God has done so that you and I could have salvation. Think about that. And if you've had the opportunity to hear that gospel, be thankful that you had that opportunity to hear it and that someone cared enough to present it to you. That you had the opportunity to be obedient to it. So we need to stop and count our blessings that we've received from God. And that's why Psalms 147 focuses not just on praising God, but on why we should praise God. And so let's read that psalm and listen to the words that are written there. It says, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathered together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth, telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord, and of great power His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifted up the meek. He casteth the wicked down to the ground. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God. Who covereth the heavens with the clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. He giveth to the beast his food, and to the young raven which cry. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear Him, in those that hope in His mercy. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion. For He hath strengthened the bars of thy gates. He hath blessed thy children within thee. He maketh peace in thy borders and filleth thee with the finest of the wheat. He sendeth forth His commandments upon earth. His word runneth very swiftly. He giveth snow like wool. He scattereth the hoarfrost like ashes. He casteth forth His ice like morsels who can stand before His cold. He sendeth out His word and melteth them. He causeth His wind to blow and the, winds, or the waters flow. He showeth His words unto Jacob, His statutes and His judgments unto Israel. He hath not dwelt so with any nation. And as for His judgments, they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely. It seems so natural to praise God, so right for us to glorify His name. Why? Because the Lord built up Jerusalem, as it says in that passage, he gathered together the outcasts of Israel. He healed the brokenhearted. He bounds up the wounds. He tells the numbers of the stars. He calleth them by name. He does all those wonderful things. And it goes on and lists all the things that God does. He blesses His people. He grants them peace. And He grants them food. The psalmist is making a list of the things 
to be thankful for. He's counting his blessings and he's naming them one by one, just like our song says. So one of the first things that we need to realize about being thankful is it doesn't come easily to most people. And maybe it doesn't even come easy to us as Christians. But we need to learn to focus on the blessings that you and I have received from God. Second, God's people need to be filled with thanks because of the kind of God that we serve. <clears throat> we of all people have the greatest reason to be thankful because we serve a God who actually cares about us. And that's really amazing when you think about all that God has to keep track of, that He cares about each one of us as an individual. And I say that quite often, and said it I think quite often over the past year, to remind us that God cares for us as an individual. And I may sound like a broken record, but I think that that's a broken record that needs to be played over and over and over to remind us that God cares for us. He cares for you. And what a blessing it is to know that. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Be content with what you have and realize that God has said He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Can you get any better than that? That can't be taken away from us. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. God cares about me. God cares about you. Isn't that amazing? It's, a wonderful, to, it's wonderful to know that we're not so far removed from God that He doesn't know who we are. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, one of the greatest blessings that we have is that He spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Think about that. He delivered His Son to die a cruel death on the cross, not for His sins, because He had no sin but for our sin. He gave His Son so that you and I could live. So should we be happy that the neighbor has something that we don't have? Or some brother or sister can do something that we are, may not have the ability to do? Think about what God has given us that cannot be taken away. So you would think then God's people would always be thankful, a thankful people. And praise would just flow out of them. But that's not always true. And we can see that in the Old Testament with the children of Israel. In the book of Exodus and Numbers, we can find that the children of Israel, when they were delivered out of Egypt, they saw some marvelous miracles that took place. They saw all the plagues that had taken place, and they knew what had happened to Egypt. 
And when they left Egypt, they seen the Red Sea that was parted so that they could leave or escape the, the army of Pharaoh on dry land. And then on they got to the other side and Pharaoh's army went through, they saw that water collapse and destroy Pharaoh's army. And while they were wandering in the wilderness, their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out. And God fed them every day and provided water for them when they needed it. They've seen those miracles. They saw the water that come out of that rock. And they saw that man and quail. What did they do? Over and over they murmured and complained. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 24, the people complained against Moses. In Exodus chapter 16 and verse 2, the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron. In Exodus chapter 17 and verse 3, the people thirst there for water, and the people murmured against Moses. In Numbers chapter 14 and verse 2, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. The children of Israel repeatedly saw the miracles that God had performed, and yet they seemed to murmur and complain quite often. It kind of sounds ridiculous, doesn't it, when you think about it? And yet, that's how we can sound to God if we allow ourselves to, be, to find fault and to grumble and murmur and complain. In fact, the Bible tells us that we're not to murmur like they did. Those are warning signs for us. They should alert us to the fact that we're still immature when we murmur and complain. And we really haven't learned to appreciate what God has given to us. And we expect sometimes little children to be grateful for what they receive, but sometimes they complain if they don't get what they want. And why does that happen? Because they're immature. But as we grow, as we mature as human beings, and as we mature especially as Christians, we should get past that murmuring and complaining that takes place in so many lives. There was a missionary who was on a mission trip, and he was leading a service in a leper colony. And there was time for one more song, and so he asked if anyone had a request. And a woman had been facing away from the pulpit, and she turned around. And the missionary said that she had the most hideous face that he had ever seen. The woman's nose and ears were entirely gone. The disease had destroyed her lips as well. She lifted a fingerless hand in the air and asked, Can we sing, Count Your Many Blessings? The missionary said that he was overcome by emotion, and he left the service. One of the other individuals that was with him on that trip went out to check on him. And he said, I guess you'll never be able to sing that song again. Missionary said, yes, I will. But I'll never sing it again the same way. 
Sometimes we don't appreciate what we have until we don't have it anymore. And sometimes it's too late at that point. And sometimes when we look at other people, we should realize how blessed we are. And be concerned about their soul and their needs. Because God cares about our needs, your needs, my needs. As the Scripture says, He careth for you, and He expects you and I to care for other people. Think about that woman. She wanted to sing about her many blessings. Her spirit of thanksgiving had a tremendous influence on other people. It had an impact on that missionary. It had an impact on others that heard her request. And brethren, I want us to realize that when we're thankful, it's going to have an impact on the people that are around you. Because if you're going to murmur and complain about what you don't have or what's happening in your life, guess what? That has an impact on people around you too. And guess what? Many times they'll start to murmur and complain too. I can't imagine that the children of Israel all at once, the entire congregation just lifted up with murmuring and complaining. It started off with a few and then it rolled through the congregation. When you're thankful and you express that thanksgiving and you live a joyous life because you're thankful for what God's given that cannot be taken away, it's going to have a positive impact on people around you. As God's people, we need to realize how our attitude of thankfulness can have a tremendous influence on the people that are around us. But as I was studying this lesson, preparing for it, I started to wonder, is God thankful? You ever thought of that question? Is God thankful for anything? Is He grateful? Is gratitude an attribute of God? And the closer that I looked at this psalm, the more I leaned toward the thought that yes, God is thankful. Now you may not agree with me, and that's okay. Because I know God is God. He doesn't need anything. He has it all. But I must admit that I believe that God is thankful. Why do I say that? Look at Psalms 147, verses 10 and 11. It says, His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor is delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who hear, fear Him, who put their hope in His unfailing love. Notice what that verse is saying. That God is God. And that the powers on this earth, the power of a horse or the power of a man's legs, they don't impress God. Because after all, God is God, and He doesn't need anybody or anything, even the powers of this world, they don't impress Him. He doesn't delight in the strength of the horse, nor take pleasure in the legs of man. But there is something that does impress Him. There is something that does make Him happy. There is something that He delights in. God delights in those who fear Him. And I believe that He's thankful for those 
who put their hope in His never-ending love. God appreciates those people that have accepted that plan of salvation, the gift of His Son on the cross. Because that's why He sent people to die on the or sent His Son to die on the cross for the people of this world, so that we could be saved. The Bible tells us that God seeks for a way to reward those individuals in Second Chronicles chapter sixteen and verse nine. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. God wants to bless those that are doing what's right. He cares about those who are righteous, those that are, that are serving Him, those that have the fear that we're supposed to have of God. The love and the respect that we have, that brings joy to God. Isn't that impressive to know that the God of this universe who spoke it into existence and took dirt and dust and made and formed a man and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, that he can be impressed by something that you and I do? That should bring joy to our heart. And we should be thankful that I can do something, that you can do something that pleases God, that just fills him up with delight. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 8, Jesus says, I say unto you, Whosoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. Brethren, when we let our light shine so that God is glorified, He delights in our actions. Because we fear Him above everything else in this world or anything else in this world, we love Him above everything anything and everything. And we put our hope and our unfailing love so much in Him that we want to tell others about the love that He has for us and the love that we have for Him. When people look at us, Christians, when they look at Christians, God's people, they need to see thankful and joyous people because we serve a God who delights in those who obey Him. And we can make Him happy and bring joy to Him. Think about that. That hasn't always been the case with Christians. There was a time when people thought Christians should always walk around in a somber mood. They shouldn't laugh and they shouldn't smile. They all had to look miserable. In fact, there was an old saying, you know, people uh, Christians look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. That's not the way God needs us to look or wants us to look. Think about what God's done for us. Why could people be fed to the lions? Why could Paul and Silas sing praises in prison? Because they were thankful for the blessings that God had given to them that no one could take away. So think about that. We need to be joyous and thankful when we talk to our God in prayer. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. 
Tonight, if you're not a Christian, the greatest thing that God's done for you is to send His Son to die on the cross. And he died on that cross so that you could have the forgiveness of sin. So that you could have your sins washed away by His precious blood when you were obedient to His Gospel. As we mentioned this morning from Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that the Gospel is the power of God unto salvation. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. And so if we want to live a righteous life, we need that Gospel. And we need to be obedient to that Gospel. And the Bible also tells us that the Gospel consists of the fact that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried, and that He rose victorious over the grave. And we reenact that scene through the act of baptism. But before one can go down in that watery grave of baptism, they have to express their belief. They have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they have to turn away from their sin. That means they're going to stop doing those things that are wrong and put their trust and faith in God be obedient to His will. And they're going to confess the name of Christ before men, that they believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's an important step. And then they're going to be baptized, or you can be buried with Him in baptism. Have your sins washed away, reenacting that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you go down in that water and you come up out of that water, a new creature. What a blessing. So simple. But yet so many people resist it. Don't resist it if you're not a Christian. Humble yourselves and do what God wants you to do. And if you've been unfaithful to God, then make things right. If there's something that's between you and God, then take care of it between you and God. If it's something that we can help you with, then feel free to come forward tonight. We'll do whatever we can to help you. We'll pray for you. We'll encourage you. We'll, we'll study with you if that's what you need. Don't, but don't leave here tonight in lost condition. Jesus did too much. God has done too much for you to be lost. If you need to respond to the invitation, come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.